You're listening to Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. I am your host, Eric Konovalov, and I believe that we can achieve everything we want if we take our leadership, sales ability, and personal growth to a higher level. On this show, we share ideas on how to break through our invisible boundaries, start taking steps towards our dreams, and create the life we desire. I invite you to open your mind to new possibilities, new ideas, and to the truth that everything you want is possible for you. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Konovalov. Delighted to be with you here today. If you're not yet in our Facebook group, get over to Facebook, Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Mastermind. Join it. Let's connect there so that we can talk and become friends. Today, I have a friend of mine who's uh, my guest, and uh, I just found out that his name does not mean power in Greek. (laughs) I got John Sirakis. That starts actually with a T, but the T is silent. Sirakis does not mean power. He is a seasoned leader, marketer, and a sales expert. He's the co-owner and president of Oyova, a national marketing and application development agency, where he helps the firm identify and capitalize on new opportunities. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this dude because he's got more failure than probably a few of you guys because he's taking more chances. Anyway, he is a huge proponent of helping others, whether that's through one-on-one mentoring or collaborating with top digital agency owner and his digital mastermind. That's what it's called, digital mastermind. And, uh, he also hosts a podcast called The Climb. John, welcome. Dude, great to be here, Eric. You too. Where are you in the world these days? Uh, right now, I'm back in sunny St. Petersburg. All right. St. Pete is amazing. All right, my man. So now you are the owner of this agency. People look at you and they think that you are this you know, success. You've made it. But chances are they don't really know the struggle you went through. Yeah. Help me help us hear about your your journey. Yeah. So, all right, I'll, I'll start. So, um, you know, I'm I'm Greek, and in most like Greek families, it's uh, it's kind of based on like a business where the the kids will work for it and whatnot. So, I was going to college at the time, and I got into a, a little debate or st- dispute with my father, and he decided to fire me in front of a, a group of his employees to to make an example out of me. And yeah, so I was going to, like I said, I was going to school at the time. So there's this other guy that I had a class with was like, Hey, my dad and I have a, have a company in the the marketing space. That's what you're going to school for. Why don't you come to work for us? Well, that company rapidly grew and it got entirely too corporate for my taste at the time. And uh, I decided to leave in the pit of the recession. So when I left, uh, I didn't realize what I, I, I was getting into and just struggling to do anything you could to, to gain business. And there's so many failures along that route. Like, all right, we're going to do performance-based only marketing. You're like, all right, cool. We did all these amazing results. And then it turns out that uh, that company didn't want to pay their bill because our contracts weren't right. So we were stiff, like thousands and thousands of dollars when you need it the most, right? So yeah, uh, essentially did that, did quite well. We were heavily marketing focused. And then in 2018, made the decision to... Uh, merge my company to make it more of a tech-focused company. So did that with a partner of I, uh, a partner of mine who is my partner now, and uh, yeah, that's what we've done. And I've started a few other companies and purchased a few others uh, along the way. So that's that's essentially what it looks like. 
So if you're if you're McDonald's, what's your burger? You know, for your company. From McDonald's, what's our burger? Um, I'd say it's it's an integrated marketing campaign that starts with there's actually three parts. That's a hard question to ask because McDonald's has a great fish fillet too, and the, I mean, who doesn't love the fries with the Coke? But <laughs> I, I I'd say we we do an amazing campaign, soup to nuts, where where we take on a website build and then we we do all the marketing for it, everything from search engine optimization to to content, social media, and email. So it's a, a fully integrated, starting with you know, uh, a really strong website. Got it. So you guys are going into companies and kind of helping them re rebrand, redo their digital platforms and their, their, uh, social presence. Is that, yeah. Am I there? All right. Awesome. So, uh, what mistakes are they making? Like, what do you see companies that think they're doing well yet they're making a mistake? Not focusing on the numbers. Somebody just thinks, let's say they're going to start a, a social media campaign and they're going to just drum up all their business organically. They don't realize the the talent and the effort that it takes to be able to do that because you're fighting algorithms. It's a it's a heavy pay to play game. Unless you're jumping into like a TikTok space, which isn't right now. You can you can grab a lot of land there for uh, less effort than you would spend on a lot of the other platforms. Uh, the also the the numbers. A lot of people aren't paying attention to the numbers, so they'll have, let's say, you know, they're spending a hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, and whatever number you want to pick on whether it's Google Ads or display ads, and they're not partitioning to see where the results are coming from, whether it's search engine optimization, whether it's social or paid or email. And I would say others are they they're just not spending enough. And granted, that sounds like, all right, some ad and marketing guy is going to tell you you're not spending enough. But a lot of people just really give up at the 75% mark or the 90% mark. They don't let a campaign go for like the full 90 days. And then on the flip side of that, some people just think it's a set it and forget it thing. It's not. Like you have to be really involved. You can't just hire somebody and just say, like, all right, all this magic's going to happen. No, like you have to be involved. You have to collaborate with them. You have to manage them because it is a company. And you really have to check in to make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. And that doesn't mean being a, you know, a prick to them and just trying to micromanage them and drive them. Just it's, it's fair to question things to make sure that you're getting what you pay for. So what should a, what's a good ROI? On a, oh, man, that's, it, it depends, right? So I would look at how much your a good ROI is where you're profiting. That's, the, that's it. Dollar in, dollar 10 cents out is good, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whatever. If you're profiting, then you have a, a good return. And of course, the the more, the better. If you're not profiting, something's wrong and you really need to look at what you're spending and the impact it's having. All right. Well, what challenges are you having as a business owner? Uh, I got to do all these podcasts. I mean, everybody's banging on my door. <laughs> no. Uh... Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, as a business owner, I think the, the main thing is just making sure that clients aren't concerned with the certain climate, right? So you hear we're in a recession, there's a recession going and your natural reaction is to act like a turtle and just, you know, pull your legs and in your head. And, and you can do that, but you're going to do it at the cost of a competitor taking up your market share and you're going to lose business. And I think the other people don't realize, or a lot of companies don't realize that when you do that, there's other bad things that are going to happen that you're not going to have the cash flow to be prepared for. So uh, that's one thing now, just making sure that all of our, our clients are doing the best they possibly can. We're getting the most impact for them. The other is making sure that we, we have the best people on our team. So we, we went through a huge 
salary craze where it seems like the entire economy was drunk on money. So there was a lot of moving around. And some people, they they got salaries doubled and whatnot, and they went over to other companies. Unfortunately, you're now seeing other layoffs. So that's going to open the market up for, for business owners to scoop up people at uh, less of a rate. So keeping the team happy, keeping clients happy, and making sure we're doing the best that we can do. I know it sounds like a basic answer, but literally we live by you know simple tenants and that's what keeps us sane. Yeah. I mean, sounds like you keep it really simple. Let me go back a little bit to what you said before. Did you and your dad make up? Like, are you cool with your dad now? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to him in like 20 years. Seriously? No, I'm just, you, uh, yeah, we're cool, man. No, we're totally cool. Right. Yeah, we didn't talk for a while after that. I was pretty pissed. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, what job was that that you got fired from? Construction. So, yeah, you're in a construction company building luxury homes. Yeah. What were you doing that you got? Like, why did he feel like he needed to let you go? So he didn't want me going to school at the time. And I was I was working full time. I was going to school full time. And I I was also in a band at the time, which didn't make things better. So like I I was just I was all over the place. So um, and I don't think I was necessarily the easiest person to talk to at that time. Like there was a certain way you had to approach me. And it seemed like nobody had that approach. I was young. And uh, I get pulled. So what happened that day, I, I got pulled over by uh, by the cops and I had it out of uh, I just bought this like, you know, beater work truck. I had another car that I bought with my own money, but I was like, all right, I'm going to buy this work truck. So I'm not you know messing up my, my car and the, the tag. Something was wrong with the tag. So I get pulled over by this uh, the state trooper and he's we're just having a conversation. So I'm getting out of this ticket, but then my dad sees me and then he pulls over. Well, he comes over and he comes, man, the guy was like, he's like a hurricane and a tornado. So he's coming over. I'm like, whoa, man, this is about to blow up. So I'm like, Hey, hey, hey I got this. I got this. And he said a couple words to me. He was, I guess, embarrassed that I was telling him to go. I got this. And that was it. That's all that had to happen, man. That's why I got fired. Yeah. Man. So how long did you not talk to him and when did you guys make up? Uh, it was probably oof, probably like a year, maybe two years or something like that. Yeah. Who approached who? I think I approached. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I got to be the adult. Was he not going to like he was ready to lose you? Like <laughs> I was, he's got two other sons. It was like, all right, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. He's already telling other people like, yeah, no, I only, I only have these other two. I don't know who that other guy was. Yeah. All right. How accurate is uh my big fat Greek wedding, that portrayal of, you know, of Greek family. It's, it's, it's pretty accurate. I'd say, yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's pretty accurate. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can't imagine, man. So, all right. So real quick question back then, how should he have approached you? How should he have approached me? Like if I was to give, uh, well, you don't, you don't, you don't blow up. You got to keep your cool, keep your cool at all times. Anytime you, you let your emotions get the best of you. And I love my father, right? But he's a very passionate guy. And mm-hmm. he runs on, it's like he's at either 100 miles an hour or he's taking a nap. And I think when you do that, you're going to make decisions that you may or may not regret. But I think you need to be as mindful as possible and let and let things play out in a, you know, a certain way. You just have to be as cool as you possibly can. Anybody that's that excited about something is going to make mistakes. John, how did you decide to start your own company? Yeah. So I think it's one, I I worked for a family business. So I think that may have been a part of it. But the other, I was working at that other company and it was really corporate. And I saw all the things that were happening in digital marketing at the time. 
and I was running digital marketing campaigns there and just just being one of those people that thinks I can do it better. And I think that's important. You got to believe in yourself. And I did. And in doing that, you got to be ready to, to fail. I remember we didn't have a sale. It's not like I left with this grand plan either. Maybe I got that from my father, leaving a bit emotionally. But I, uh, and actually, you want to hear the story of why I left and how I yes, left? Yes, absolutely. All right. So we had this, uh, we, we had these retail stores for uh, this large retail client uh, I, that, that I don't want to mention. And these other consultants came into the company and, and bought into some respects. So the guys that I work for, I'm no longer working for those guys. I'm moving up in this company and I'm, I'm, I'm very young. And I start working for these guys. So I saw this one guy set up who's now like kind of like our uh, the new CEO. Well, I, I see him set up one of my friends in a meeting, like literally gave him all this misinformation. So there's this board meeting that goes on. And at the board meeting, everybody is looking at him like, dude, these are like terrible ideas. But I'm watching all this happen. Like I'm one of the only people that sees this like political ghost play thing happen. And I'm like, can I curse on the show? Of course. And uh, I, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I, I can't believe this. And, and granted, I'm young. I'm the youngest guy in this thing by like five or six years. So and then everybody else is, you know, well into their, you know, 40s, 50s and 60s. So I see that play out. And then the next day, this CEO uh, takes me out to dinner. I'm running all the marketing. Right. So I'm like the chief marketing officer, marketing director or whatever. And he takes me out and he says, are right, you and I are going to work hand in hand? And I'm thinking like, yeah, like you were working hand in hand with my buddy. So I was like, all right, let's just see what happens. And the next day I'm walking down the hall. I got my marketing team with me. There were five or six at the time. And he stops me and uh, he says, hey, there was this mailer late in Ohio. We're doing like huge campaigns. Like there's this itty bitty little mailer that was late in Ohio. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I was like, hey, after this meeting, I was like, I'll go ahead and check that out. He says, no, he pokes the marker in my chest and there's a whiteboard. He's like, I want you to draw that timeline right now of why that mailer is late. So I look at my team and I look at him and it was one of those moments to just like, they're looking at me like, dude, you can't do this. Like we believe in you. So I turn over and uh, I poke him with the mark in the chest. I was like, Hey, go fuck yourself. I was like, you draw it. And that's the day that I quit and started my company. <laughs> What'd you learn about leadership back then? You got to stand up for what you believe in and don't be a bully, man. Don't push people into a corner. Right. So that's what he did. Like we could have probably worked things out. And granted, he had low integrity. The guy was scandalous and whatnot. So I, I think it would have come to a head at some point. But I have absolutely no regrets about that decision. Now, granted, things got dark and you get a little bit scared and concerned sometimes, especially when it's, you know, 2008, 2009 and nobody's spending any money. But if you bet on yourself and you don't give up, you'll, you'll figure it out in the end. Yeah. Wow. So this was 2008, 2009. You poke this guy, you roll out, you start your own company. Mm -hmm. were, were you married at the time? No. Mm -hmm. What was your, how old were you, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I think it was 25, 26. Okay. Not married, 25, 26, by yourself. Were you living by yourself? Had your own boat? Uh, yeah, I was living by myself. Had an apartment and a roommate that uh, wasn't paying his bills. <laughs> <laughs> was there any fear of starting your own thing? Like, why didn't you just go get another job? Because I think you're given these opportunities that God or the universe or whatever you believe in will serve up to you. And if you don't capitalize on that, then you're going to then regret it. You're going to, oh, you know what? That's when I should have done that. Like, what better time? 
right? Like, what's the story you're going to tell yourself that happened, right? Well, I I, I quit this job and then I just went and found another job. Or like, no, I quit this job and I started my thing. And whether you fail or whatever happens, that's the, that's the part that you're going to be comfortable with. You're going to be uncomfortable with those things that just feel like you're you're just doing the best move. Because, and then, and I spoke with another agency owner and I remember what he said, his company failed. And uh, I said, well, well, why did it fail? He said, I got too comfortable. He said, if you get comfortable being uncomfortable, you'll always be all right. So what does uncomfortable look like for you? Just continually pushing yourself to, to make bigger moves, whether it's a company you're trying to get into, whether it's somebody you're trying to talk into to working for you. Uh, that's another thing I think a lot of people uh, make the mistake. They just wait for like, you know, just uh the, the the candidates that come in you got to go and get some of the candidates doesn't mean you necessarily have to talk to a recruiter but you need to continually networking to find the best players to to be on your team and then starting other businesses selling other businesses and making some uh some wild moves whether it's you know just pitching a company that you have no right to pitch no reason to win and just figure out see what happens doesn't mean you're going to win it but if you're honest and you're just straight up like hey we haven't done this before you're probably going to make some pretty good relationships out of it and who knows what those are going to turn into three four or five ten years down the road so what if what were some of your like memorable mistakes when you first started back in 2008 2009 i had a really horrible business partnership the guy like had some psychological issues and i didn't i kind of <laughs> like looked past him like he would write like all caps emails and all red i was like yeah that's probably not a good sign <laughs> And uh, the clients or to you? Yeah. So he wrote one to a client. Yeah. He never really, he never really behaved that way to me. He'd get like frustrated. He just had, you know, some, some issues he hadn't worked through yet. And I remember there's this guy, he was like one of the head guys at like Nokia or something that started this <laughs> other company that we're working for. And I, I remember the phone call. He's like, John, he's like, you got to figure that fucking shit out. He's like, he writes me another email like that. He's like, I'm going to pay somebody to come and find you guys. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, I think, yeah, I, I should have part company from him uh, a little bit sooner. Hiring the wrong people, of course, holding on to some people entirely too long. How did you partner with that guy, though? So when I started my company, I needed to uh, I needed expertise. And he was a, uh, a website designer and, and developer. He was a super talented guy. And uh, so, yeah, we decided to, to partner up. And yeah, that was a, that was a bad mistake. And then he went into the account and stole all the money. That's how he, that's how I bought him out. <laughs> you bought him out because he stole all the money? No. So uh, he, um, what ended up happening is I was going to make an offer to, to buy him out. And he got like super offended by this. Like he was just like, he, like he never saw this coming. Like, yeah, dude, if you're an asshole all day, you don't talk to any employees when you got like 12 of them and the other guy is doing everything. Chances are he or she is unhappy and they're going to ask to buy you out. So that's what I did. So instead of him, uh, like even going through that, which I would have paid uh, probably, uh, you know, more than he would have taken, he went into the operating account, completely drained it. And there was a sizable sum in there. And then he jacked up all the the ad accounts for some of our clients. And uh, yeah, so in hindsight, so many things were learned there. And uh, yeah, we had to work for some of these accounts for like a year and a half for free to to pay for the mistakes that he did. A few of them, two of those were attorneys too. They were like, dude, like make this right or like we could really own you. And I was like, all right, that's cool. But just do what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. And not everything goes perfectly, but just absolutely do the best you can. Man, I love your attitude about it. 
Absolutely love your attitude about it. So do you have a partner today? I do. Yeah. Okay. I love the fact that that didn't stop you from having more partners. <laughs> no. And yeah, I had another business with partners. Yeah. It doesn't, people are variables, right? So you can only control yourself and you can do what you can to, to control the relationship. But yeah, I mean, some of them are bad. Most of them are good, but it tends to work out. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. But there are a lot of people that if something happens to them, I know that a lot of people who got screwed over by a partner and right there, they'll say, I'll never have another partner. Yeah, you get, you get in a car accident. You're never not going to drive a car again. <laughs> right. Yeah. In any situation, you're going to have partners. And I think a lot of a lot of business owners like will hold themselves back because they become a king or a queen in their little fiefdom. And they get so comfortable with their three to five to ten million dollar a year business. That's cool. That's that's fine. That's happy. If you if that's if you've peaked and those are your dreams and aspirations, that's great. But you really need to take a look in the mirror and say, like, all right, you could do more. If and if you look at having a business partner is too great of a risk, then I would, you know, all right, then 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 I would just be happy with where you're at. I think too many people see that. I, there was some guy. I mean, he's got like a I don't know four million dollar a year business, and he says. Um, you know uh, what the worst ships are, right? And I was like, "What are you talking about? Like boats or yachts? Like, what do you mean?" And he's like, "No, partnerships." I was like, "Oh, well, that's great. That's grand." And uh, yeah, that, that's his attitude. It's like, all right, if, if you're happy with your your company and you're there, if you got all your employees think you're the greatest thing that's ever lived, and that's fine. I don't like that jar. I like the uncomfortable one. That is really really neat. You know what I find unique about you, John, is you have this digital mastermind. And that mastermind, it's like a group coaching pretty much, or it's like a, yeah, I would call it group coaching, but it's for other digital agencies like yourself. Yeah. So tell me, tell me your thought process behind that. Like, why did you even create that? I mean, technically they're competitors of yours. They do what you do, but you're looking at them from a different lens. Yeah. It's a victim's group that we get to cry on each other's shoulders. <laughs> no, so I didn't create it. Another, another guy created it, um, who handed it to another guy that said, I, I can't take this shit. And then he handed it over to me. So yeah. And granted I've made changes and we, we've done some, some really cool things in there, but the, the group was created just to get some cool people together. Right. And that's, that's what we've done. And we stay in contact via Slack group. Um, we have biweekly calls with owners and the main thing is it's agencies learning from agencies, because in a lot of these spaces, the one thing I continually notice is there's some guru with some questionable story of how they had this great company that nobody ever knows about. And they know it's like, all right, that's great. Um, I, I get it. Or some of them say they own an agency when they don't. Like, yeah, I mean, you can look me up I own an agency. We got over like 30 employees. So I go through all the same bullshit that any of these other agency owners go through. But I, and I think it's also like a form of giving back. And what people don't realize is if you have this homogenized group, it's it's not going to be as successful. And the reason is because if you have everybody that's at the same part of their life cycle in their business, they're going to just start thinking the same. Yeah, they can help each other with these little tweaks and whatnot. You'll get those variables in there. But when you really open it up and you have companies that have like over 350 employees and you got some that only have five, you get a really good mix of ideas. And the reason being is just risk tolerance. The people at the top in that life cycle, they've been around for 10 or 15 years. They, they're they're completely risk averse. But you have the others that are these little five and six people shops. They're, they'll do anything for new business. So it's a really cool mix that you get from other agency owners. And it's just it, it kind of turns into like a flywheel uh, of ideas. And we get to help each other out, whether it's employment issues or market issues. And as far as the competition, 
um, competition, you can view anybody as a competitor, right? The thief of all joy is comparison. So the way we look at it, and man, I, there's a guy here in my local market. I don't even want to mention his name. I love this guy, but we compete against each other all the time, right? Is he in the group? He's in the group. But nice. and uh, yeah, and I mean, granted, I, I'd say right now the score is probably 50-50. He probably wouldn't say that, but <laughs> he, uh, he there's nothing in this that that was given that's going to give him a leg up on me. Right. In, in that process, I'll literally give you in my entire sales process. I do. There's other podcasts. There's even a book that has my entire sales process in it. But the magic is you and the way that you do it. So I think that's one of the big takeaways from this group. Because even when I first got in it, I even had some of those like, oh, man, I'm like, my ideas are so good. And these people are going to take them. Now, that's all bullshit. That's all in your head. Like, yeah, it, it, it's not going to work. You're the magic if you do it right. Yeah, that's so interesting. I came from the copier world, you know, document management, IT services, copier. You could never get those owners to get. They would get together. But we would literally have meetings of what not to say in front of other owners <laughs> in that group because you don't want them knowing what you're making, what you're selling it for, what the profit margins are. Like you have to be very, very quiet about that stuff or even give false information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bunch of disinformation. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not like that. At all. It's, a, it's a blue ocean. It's a blue ocean. No, I love that. It's abundance thinking versus competition thinking you know you don't view it as competition you're viewing it as you're gonna learn from one another so tell me about these groups like why should other digital agency owners join your mastermind group i think if they if they want a wide spectrum of how other agencies are doing it and they just want some just really cool people that are generous with uh sharing that information whether it's how to how to upsize your staff, you know, whether it's processes, whether it's, you know, how much you should pay your team or just the goings on where you want to pitch a problem, then I think it's it's a good group for you. If somebody's looking for just something like dogmatic, then no. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's probably not going to be a good fit. And there's there's a time and a place for those types of things. But I think it's more important to learn from your peers. Like you're instantly in a network of other people that are going to share that information. None of it's philosophical. None of it's theoretical. Everybody is sharing from experience. And I think to me, the way that I learn, that's the most important thing to me. Like many of my college professors that were up there talking, I'm like, dude, like, what did you do? Like you went to school and you were really good at that. That's great. That's grand. But like, that's not for me. I like talking to the person that is, you know, had tons of failures, tons of experiences, tons of successes. And that's the thing that's really attractive to me. Oh, that's so cool. So what should a company, I got kind of two questions. One is what should a company do who maybe doesn't have a marketing budget, but they want to get their name and, and get their brand out there? What are some things they can do that could potentially save them some money? PR. They could get PR for something that's that's crazy or exciting that's going on in their business or their industry. I mean, they they really need to 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 network and add as much value to those people around them as possible. I think that's also strong. Referral hubs are great, kind of tying off the the network standpoint. Who are the people that there would be some type of synergistic benefit between you and them working? Like, all right, how can you do reciprocation? Or how do you just make them look good? by being a partner where they pull you in. They're like, ah, yeah, this, this, this is just a reflection of the people that I surround myself with. I think those are some of the, the easiest ones. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to spend a lot of time on social media. And I think that's great. But I think you got to have something that's going to differentiate, that's going to be different to do that. So really have some, some good content. Don't just post to post. Post with intention. And whatever you do, 
have intention with it. All right. Why am I doing this? What do I want to have happen? Um, you know, hope is great, but there's streets full of cardboard boxes where, yeah, hope didn't work out. <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting. I, I literally just got off the call um, and it's a young lady and she's, you know, I asked her what are some challenges that she was having, you know, with her business and she's in sales. And she said, you know, um, I can't take control. I don't, I don't seem to be able to take control of the conversations and then they just stand up somewhere and I don't know how to bring them back into like the topic. And I don't know this balance of like, when I'm trying to build rapport to get them back to business. And I asked her, I said, before you even start the conversation, do you have like a good, better, best of what you want the outcome of that conversation to be? She kind of looks at me. She's like, no. I said, well, how do you expect to take control and take them somewhere if you don't even know where that is? Yeah. And you can see like this light bulb go off. (laughs) Yet, knowing that, I will post to post on social media (laughs) with zero intention whatsoever. (laughs) So you just made my light bulb go off. Thank you. The other question I have is where's the industry going? Oof. So... I, I'd say the a lot of things are going in-house, and we're going to see that with the recession that we have. So a lot of people are going to, to pull it in-house. It's, it's natural that way. Uh, the agency business model, um, I think it's going to continually be weighed out based on how much it's going to cost somebody to pull the resources internally versus having them externally. Mm. So, but with that, I think right now there's more of a trend for people to pull um, more people in house. So there's going to be agencies that are going to be going out of business because they've just been living off of referrals. They don't have a defined sales process. I mean, let's be honest, the, the, the entire economy has been drunk over the last 10 years on how it's performed. To get business is super easy. Getting business in 08, 09, and 10, that was brutal. Like you're going up against six, eight, 10 people. So we're going to see all that again. And that makes me that makes me a little excited because that's where all the fleas get off the dog and the people that belong to be in business, the ones that uh, that are creative enough, that have the energy are the ones that are going to survive. You just insulted like everybody in that one little statement. <laughs> no, there's people that are listening. <laughs> Other agency owners are fleas. The clients are dogs like... All right, John, come on now. <laughs> That's about the negative way you could have taken that statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. I haven't had lunch. <laughs> I'm not happy with myself about that. <laughs> no, I think there's there's a lot of true uh, people that really, uh, that are real entrepreneurs, that are the ones that get a little bit excited when the, the water gets choppy because they know that it gives them an edge because they're the difference. And I, I think we're going to see some of that around this corner. If you if you YouTube uh, coffee bean, like coffee bean speech, there's a guy that'll pop up and I, his name escapes me, but I'm trying to get him on, on the show. And we've all seen that meme, you know, the same boiling water that, you know, softens the potato, hardens the egg. Yeah. And so in his speech, he says, listen, you don't want to be the egg. Because then you just get really hard and like you, you're not going to be somebody, you're going to lose your empathy. You're not going to be somebody that's going to attract people. You really don't want to be the potato because, you know, that water is going to make you soft and sensitive. And then you don't have enough hardness to you that you can handle pressure. He said, be the coffee bean. You see, you put the coffee bean in the water 
it changes the water. It doesn't change itself. And I just, I don't know, that whole, and he's got a great story that goes around it where he got locked up and ended up going to jail for just being a knucklehead. But the story is amazing. And I just keep thinking about this coffee bean and here's the opportunity. And I think great entrepreneurs are going to be able to change the way people think because I've been in the outsourcing business uh, before where we sold like reception services, mailroom services, copyroom services to big firms in DC. I don't, haven't seen, haven't now understanding like the benefit of outsourcing. I don't see how companies would want to bring that in house. You have 30 employees, potentially that's 30 different strong skill sets in various areas of marketing and marketing. There's so many different things you got to be good at knowing, you know, how to be strong for SEO, how to position your ad, where to put what, copywriting. Like it's not one th- when to post, right? You bring one person in house, you're firing 30. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I think you are hungry based on that analogy, talking about potatoes and eggs. Maybe you should get lunch. But the and coffee, yes. <laughs> the yeah, but I and I think it's the the, the point there is the pressure, right? So they're going to get pressure from a CFO or somebody else in another department that's talking about budget cuts and and and, and whatnot, and they're going to be like, "Well, how about this idea?" So it's it's a slow convincing. It usually is around, I'd say, probably like six months to a year. We'll see more of that, but we've already seen some of that even over the last couple of years. And I and and I think when I know marketing is a lagging indicator, right? So there's all these, like in my space, all these agencies, even in the dev space where there's all these projects that have been bought and sold. And then next thing you know, it dries up. And then when it dries up, you're you're in a corner. And then of course, the other thing that's going to make it, uh, I think more appropriate for companies to try to take it in-house, which I don't agree with, because like you said, the expertise is not the way to go. But people, we forget, right? Like we're we're in another recession. We just had one a few years ago, but everybody's like, "Oh, the housing market is never going down." And just like, are you out of your mind? I mean, like this happens like every ten years. Like there's tons of history. You ever heard of the internet? Look look these things up. But it happens, and the same thing is going to happen here. Everybody's going to try to pull it all in house. They're not going to realize the management, the culture, and all the things that actually make these people great. But that's the mistake that's that's going to happen. Like we've literally worked with companies that had an entire team in-house where their goal was to see like, all right, is do we need to hire this company instead? So we're working like in parallel with them. So wild things happen when cash gets tight. And I think we're going to see some of those things here for sure. Yeah. But marketing should be one of those things that it's making you money, right? Like that's very, mm-hmm. very simple. Like, Hey, Mr. Customer, you've made, I mean, you've spent a hundred thousand dollars with us or $10,000 with us. And you got 15,000 or 200,000 back. It shouldn't be an expense. Like if it's an expense, you probably got the wrong company, I think. Yeah. But what will happen is a lot of companies where let's say that you're doing like a full campaign. They're like, you know what? We're going to have Sarah here take over the the Facebook ads. And now now she's going to go ahead and take over the Instagram ads. So they'll slowly start doing this. And then I just like having an adult conversation and be like, all right, hey, what the fuck's going on here? Right. So like if if it's your plan, you can pay us and I'll help you get there even quicker. The good ones are like, all right, hey, that's something that we want to do. And then you can rationalize what makes sense, what expertise they're not going to have if they want to do it that way. Uh, The other ones just placate you like, no, 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 no. We love you guys. 
And it's just the reality is on the wall. And you're like, all right, well, I disagree. You're not going to fire the client. You're just like, all right, let's just let's just play this out. And at that point, it's it's not the best relationship. Some people choose to do business that way, which I don't agree with. But you're not going to cut off your nose to spite your face. It's revenue in the door. And it's only a matter of time. Yeah, sure. But then what happens is Sarah gets pressured, right? Oh, now add TikTok and now add LinkedIn and now add uh-huh. YouTube. And it's never ending. We also want to be on Snapchat. We want to be on Truth Social or whatever the new one is. Like. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And Sarah quits because <laughs> it's yeah. too much. And they boomerang right back. Long as you left on good terms and oh, hey. And then you have another conversation. I think it's really important to be direct with them. Be like, yeah, you remember you thought you could do this all on your own. This is something we warned against. I'm not giving you and I told you so, but this is why this happens. Yeah, we get it. And sometimes they stick, but sometimes they attempt to do it again for sure. Man, oh man. Let me ask you this question. Do you find, which one do you find most more important, sales or marketing? Oh, uh, you, you can't answer that question. So, I mean, marketing is born from sales. So I, I, I like to collapse them a lot. Because even if you go into other industries, you'll have somebody that's like a glorified cookie dropper that they call like a head of sales, right? It's like, look, all right. Don, you go in there and you drop donuts like once a week, all right? There's not even any salesmanship that even occurs here. But to them, that's the the head of sales. At the end of the day, we're like, all right, well, that's actually marketing. So I I think they're both integral. And uh, I I think it just all depends on the circumstance, right? Because if you're just doing products, you're doing e-commerce, there's not sales in there. That's just, that's all e-commerce, right? That's true. Yep. Yeah. So if you're doing service-based sales, some of those you can do in an e-commerce type format. But it just depends on what's being sold and the salesmanship that's involved, right? Now, if you're selling giant contracts that are going to get you, uh, you know, the 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 shell of a rocket for NASA or uh, something Elon Musk is toying around with, uh, that's probably not going to be as much marketing on that side. It's going to be sales. So I think they're like it's like an equalizer, right? Some you need a little bit more, you know, a little bit less, get the trouble right, and then you can have something in rhythm that plays good music. Yeah, no, that's a, what a great answer. I used to think that sales, obviously I grew up in sales. I used to think sales was it, but I never saw the marketing done correctly. And then when I saw marketing done correctly, I'm like, man, you can make way more sales <laughs> when you walk in a door and people already know who you are and who your company sure. is, you know, yeah. and that's marketing, right? Raising awareness, the branding, like there's so much that marketing does if done right, they can just help the sales become easier. Yeah, and it does absolutely. If it's done right, you can also uh, and and it also depends on the way that you line up, right? So whether your listeners have like a they're a huge company and they're paying for sponsorship at a golf tournament that's named after their organization, or whether they're a, a smaller shop, you just look at your offering and your competitors, and if they're big, then you play to the benefits of being small, and if they're small, you play to the benefits of being big. That doesn't mean you ever trash your competition. It's just point out the things that are going to add the most value to your client that align with what you do. Yeah, very, very true. You know, I um, recently I'm on this kick of it's possible to believe a lie, and I got this because a couple of weeks ago we went to France to Paris, and I thought based on every person that I knew who went to Paris, the Parisians were rude, mean, hated Americans, wouldn't speak to you in English. Paris is dirty. Like all these, I, it couldn't be further from the truth. I got there. People are going out of their way to speak English. Yeah. Uh, their English is way better than my French, by the way. <laughs> but did you attempt to speak French, right? Like, you? no, they just, Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I, there's zero friend. I can go to Spain and Puerto Rico, like 
South America and I can get around not Portuguese, but like in Spanish, I can get around. But French, like I never took a French class in my life. Like it was it's like, you know, it's like speaking French. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, no, no insult taken out. No, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think so. I, I've been to, to France a few times and I think uh, and I love it. The south of France, even Paris, the people there are fantastic. But when I was there last, uh, actually, when I was in Paris, I don't know, it was maybe eight, nine years ago. If you didn't speak French, then they didn't speak back in English. Right. Yep. So there was this table of people somewhere from the south. I'm from the south, so I'm not going to dishonor them. But they uh, they they serve your sodas over there with uh, without ice, right? So these people are like, hey, 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 waiter, we, we want to make sure that we get some ice in these. And the guy comes over and he's like, you know, hey, he's like, I only speak, he's saying it in French. I speak terrible French too, and he's pretty much saying like, I don't understand what you're saying, right? And he like walks over. But the person I was with at the time spoke fluent French, and uh, she said something to to him in French, but he could tell that she was American. And then uh, he leans over, bro. It's like you, you. I'm talking to you right here. He's like, he's like, yeah. So, uh, what, what would you guys like to order? I mean, dude, like, just straight <laughs> up. But man, he made their life hell for an hour, and I and I understand that. Like, I mean, they have a culture that's uh, that's been, you know, that, that we love, right? There's so many francophiles. And at the end of the day, take the effort. Just take you the know, effort. Just yeah. Water the language if you have to, but show them that you're trying. Typically, I would, and I have my Google Translator ready. <laughs> But they literally went out of their way to speak English. And I, I was think just it's awesome. Hey. That's even better. Yeah. And um, so I asked the tour guide. I'm like, so here's what I heard. This is not my experience. Everybody's so nice. And I love like fell in love with Paris. Such an awesome, clean city, like amazing yeah. history. And she told me she's like, because of how global everything has become, the younger generation is very proud of their English and they want to try to speak it every chance they get. And that's mm. kind of forcing the older generation to do the same. So that's what you're experiencing. So I thought that was great. But the reason why I said this is to set it up for the question is, what did you used to believe that you now know was a lie? What did I used to believe that I now know is a lie? Oh, that anything worth doing is easy. Anything worth doing is easy. Yeah. So like I thought like some things like I thought business would come quicker than it did when I first started, I thought it would be easier. I thought I knew more than I did. It's infinite what we don't know. And you're never going to reach the destination. I it's love a, that. It's infinite what we don't know. That's a great quote. Yeah. Like what we don't know, like Phil's libraries and, and, and just, you know, the internet and whatnot. So um, like, I thought you could just become like a master at something and know it. Now, granted, I, I know a, a ton about my space, whether it's marketing or sales and even a lot in the in the tech space, but there's always somebody that's going to know a hell of a, a lot more. So you just really need to get comfortable with your soft skills and just go in there and just be humble. Because if you go in there like real cocky, and I want accounts being cocky, but the accounts that you win being really cocky are usually the people you don't want to work with anyway. <laughs> that is true. And yeah. the other salesperson was probably way cockier than you were. <laughs> you're just the cocky of the two. Yeah. Oh man, that is awesome. All right, John, um, what should I have asked you that I didn't, that you were hoping and wishing I would ask you? I mean, I think you covered it all. Yeah, there's, uh, you covered it all. I like that question. That's a, that's a powerful question. What's your morning routine like as a, as a business owner? What do you do to make sure you set your day up for success? 
Uh, so uh, I have a simple morning. So in the first hour, I want no phone calls, no questions. I literally don't want anybody to ask me any questions. It's all got to be good news. No bad news in the first hour that I wake up. That's from, you know, uh, girlfriends or, you know, family, anything like just nothing. The first hour, you just got to like ease into it. I'm not a rocket ship, right? I'm a plane. So all right, a plane's going to, you know, take off. So uh, that's part of it. I read a little bit of the news, a couple email newsletters. Uh, I don't get into uh, anything heavy until that first hour. I try not to do any phone calls for the first two to three hours. So I'd say that's that's a typical morning routine. Um, I, I finish the evening out. I journal anywhere from like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's the most important thing that I've learned. Yeah. So I'm an avid journaler and we talked about that on your show. But how do you like, why did you pick end of the day instead of morning to journal? And what's your journal? like so uh i have a few so uh at the end of the day it's what i like i title as a daily journal right so in there i kind of just write out um like how the day went and how i feel and you we spoke about this on your podcast i think you do it with more intention which i had some some takeaways there but it's just a pouring of like all right everything from what i ate to how things went and some of them are short where it's just something that that i learned and then my other thing is things that are on my mind which I just do bullet points and I just list all those things out to, to get them out of there. Cause it's just like pus in the wound or something. <laughs> and what's that done for you? Have you seen like anything tangible come out of your journaling? You know, it feels good. So, and I think the other thing is when I'm journaling, I'm having a conversation with myself and in that I'll, I'll realize certain things that are just continually building on. Cause I've tried like morning pages and, and things like that which that's just too regimented for me that lasted, I don't know, maybe like a month or two. And I just, I, it had diminishing returns, but I think just having something you're comfortable with in your process, which is just journaling as a conversation with yourself, right? It's like, all right, what does that conversation look like? But I think based on what you left me with, I would need to have like more, more questions and structure in there. I think that's going to be my, my takeaway. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Appreciate you being here with us today. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, easy to find on LinkedIn. If you can spell my name, right. It's John J O N last name, Syracuse, T is and Thomas is and Sam O U R A K I S. If you want to join the digital mastermind group, you're in the agency marketing or tech space. That's digitalmastermind.com. Go ahead and shoot a, a contact form through there. And then, yeah, if there's anything we can help you out in your marketing web dev projects, uh, visit us at oyova.com. So yeah. And, uh, however I can help you happy to. Awesome. My friend, thanks for being here. Have a good one, John. Appreciate it, buddy. You too. Thanks, man. You've listened to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. And if you're not a part of our tribe on Facebook, be sure to head over to Facebook and join Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. I look forward to speaking with you in the tribe. Have a great day.